God changes your life, changes your thoughts, changes your desires, and changes your interests, and it comes out of God's Word. It's really learning to know God out of His Word. You're listening to the Faith Matters Podcast with Steve McKinley. Hello, and welcome to round two of Hard Sayings of Jesus. Last week, I showed you John chapter 6, where Jesus said, If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have eternal life, and I will raise you up at the last day. And he said, If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. And that caused Jesus' disciples to kind of scratch their heads and say, This is a hard saying, Jesus. Who, who can receive this? And uh, Jesus wasn't teaching cannibalism. We, we showed that Jesus was speaking spiritually, and to eat his flesh and drink his blood meant to see him and to believe on him. So Jesus was calling on people to believe on him. Well, now just a short time later in his ministry, and one chapter forward in the, the Gospel of John, in John chapter 7, we come to another hard saying of Jesus. And just to set the stage here, this is at a point of Jesus' ministry where people are beginning to really despise him, and especially the religious leaders, uh, the religious elite, uh, the Pharisees. They were uh, wanting to uh, take Jesus by force and probably deliver him to the Romans to be killed. Now, Jesus wouldn't die on the cross until about six months later, but already at this point in his ministry, they're they're looking for ways to come and take Jesus. But Jesus, remember, is quite a popular figure at this point in his ministry. And so the Jewish leaders are a little bit afraid to come and take Jesus because of the crowds who actually follow Jesus, and there are hushed kind of whispering among them, uh, among the crowds about, is this the Messiah? And so that's what this chapter is all about. It's people discussing and trying to discern, is Jesus really the Messiah? Uh, or is he just, uh, you know, someone pretending to be the Messiah? And so... And there were three big feasts in, in the Jewish calendar, and the third feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. And here in John 7, they're getting ready to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus is there with his family, his half-brothers, and um, probably Mary, his, his mother. And they're having a family discussion, should Jesus go up to the feast? Because people are looking to kill him. And what they decide is the family will go up without him, and he'll kind of slip in quietly. He's not going to go in prominently and make a big entrance with his family. He's going to slip in quietly. And so he does that, and then we find him standing in the temple teaching. And so here, here's what he says um, as he's in the temple. Um, he says, uh, but he, I, I'm shortening this, he, he says a lot, but uh, in verse 28, he says, but he that sent me is, he says, I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. And so what he's always telling the Jews is that he comes from his father. And of course, he means the heavenly father. And that's why they accuse Jesus of blasphemy, because you know, who, who would come from the Father? Who, 
um, what kind of a, a man says he's he's from above, he's from heaven, and, and has come down from the Father. Well, Jesus said that, and they accused him of blaspheming. Only it was true, Jesus really did come down from the Father. But he's standing there in the temple, and he says, I have come from the Father. The Father sent me, and is true, whom ye know not. He's telling the Jews, now remember, these are people who pride themselves on being the people of God. They have the law of Moses. They have the Torah or the Old Testament. They have the, the books of Moses, and they have the, the prophets and, and the wisdom literature, the wisdom books. And these are the people of God. They were proud to be the, the specially chosen people of God. And here is their Messiah, the man claiming to be their Messiah, saying, you don't know the God that you are professing. They don't know the Father. And why didn't they? Well, because had they known the Father, they would have received his Son, Jesus Christ. But they were not receiving Jesus. And so Jesus said, you don't really know the Father. And so this is creating a division among the people. And and so therefore it says, they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because... Because his hour was not yet come, it wasn't time for Jesus to die yet. So I think God kept them from uh, from taking him by force. And it says in verse thirty one that many of the people believed on him and said, "When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which we have seen this man do?" So they're saying, "Who could possibly do more miracles?" Remember, during Jesus's ministry, they had seen Jesus perform these great miracles. Uh, especially his disciples. They saw him uh, calm a storm. They saw him feed 5,000 people. They saw him um, heal people and cast out demons. And he's going around speaking uh, very authoritatively. And they're saying, when if, if this isn't the real Messiah, who else could basically top what Jesus is doing? So many, many people are thinking this could be the Messiah. And then Jesus says this in verse 33, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, there you cannot come. And so, uh, and and that creates a stir also, and they're, they're saying to themselves, where could Jesus go that we could not find him? The Jews said among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go up unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? In other words, is he going to go outside of Israel to foreign countries where the scattered, where there are scattered Jews and go and teach them? Where is Jesus going that we won't be able to find him? Of course, Jesus is talking about ascending up to the Father. He's, Jesus is going to leave this world and he's going to be in heaven with the Father after his death, burial, and resurrection. And people might look for him but they're not going to find him because he's not here. And so this creates a little bit of a stir. And so this is kind of the nature of Jesus' teaching. He is uh, preparing them for, for his leaving and also claiming that he's from the Father, claiming that he's going back to the Father, and it's creating conflict and division among the Jewish people. And this sets the stage for our second hard saying of Jesus. And so the scene is set, 
And now we come to the last great day of the feast, as it says in verse 37. And the last day of the feast was a very important, joyous celebration. We might call it a convocation where uh, the people would would, uh, gather and they would sing, sing the psalms. And uh, there was a lot of ceremony involved with this. And so uh, it was a very joyous, high day of the feast. And very likely there would have been crowds maybe seated out on the grass or congregating around. And here is Jesus, it says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried. Um, He cries out. He, He calls out. And so imagine this very tense scene of all these Jewish families and religious leaders sitting around having their great feast. Think for us, you know, like Christmas or Easter, one of the high days of the year. And for the Jews, this is it. And here, this man claiming to be the Messiah, he stands up and and he begins to cry out as if he has something to say. And they're all looking at him and they're saying, uh, you know, some of them are thinking, what does this man want? Oh, great. There he is again. Uh, What does he want? And some people are in awe to just hear him. Oh, here's this master teacher. What is he going to say? And Jesus very boldly, very audaciously gets up before this crowd where half of them want to kill him. And And it says, Jesus stood up and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now listen to Jesus' words here. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What a bold, audacious thing to say. What was Jesus saying of himself there? And what does it mean that rivers of water would flow out of your belly if you come to Jesus and drink of the water that he provides? Well, we it says, as the, he said, as the scripture hath said. The scripture that he's referring to is the Old Testament. And if you go back and look at the Old Testament and look at the water in the and look at water as a symbol in the Old Testament, what we find is prophecies telling us that in the messianic age, in other words, when the Messiah comes, he will rain down spiritual rain. There will be spiritual rain in the age of the Messiah. Well, now here, the Messiah is here. He's here, present in John's gospel on earth, and he's teaching, and he's saying, the water is here, and and, uh, you have to come to me, he's saying, and drink to receive of this water. And, And the water is basically... It's, it's a symbol of the spiritual blessings. We, we have a phrase, think of it as showers of blessing. Uh, and what does the rain do to, to the ground and to the earth when the rain comes? Typically, the, the rain is pleasing and is pleasant. It's desirable. 
the rain moistens the ground and it softens it up and causes things to sprout and to grow. The rain brings forth life. If there weren't any rain, it would be desert everywhere. And I've been in some desert places, um, and it's very unhospitable. And prickly things grow in desert places. It's a, it's a place that you don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time uh, there in the desert place unless you know how to uh, take care of yourself. And But when the rain comes, it, it, it causes new life to sprout, and it's no longer a desert uh, the rain turns the desert into a lush green valley. And here in Ireland, you know, we, we have a lot of rain. In fact, I think it's raining as I sit here and speak. And uh, the rain makes everything green. I mean, this is a green country. There are There, there is grass and just green trees everywhere. Uh, and uh, Ireland is known for being this beautiful, green, wet <laughs> Uh, lush place, and it it is, and uh, and that's what the water does. And this is the picture of when the Messiah comes; he will bring these spiritual rains. So think of what the rain does to the earth. This is what the Messiah will do for our lives. He will cause spiritual blessings to rain down on us, and we will partake of spiritual blessings. And, uh, and in fact, John helps us to understand Jesus' hard saying here in John chapter 7. If you're familiar with the text, you'll know that I kind of stopped short here. And actually, John fills in some of the gaps for us, and he adds a little explanatory comment. Right after, he quotes Jesus, and he says, "...he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said..." Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was telling people that if they believe on him, according to John, what they would receive is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come and dwell not, not just among us, but in us. That was Jesus' promise that when he ascended up to the Father, when, when he left, the Holy Spirit would come, and the Holy Spirit did come on the day of Pentecost. And uh, in Jesus', Jesus words here, he's saying, the person who believes on him and the person who comes to drink of the water that he will give, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. These are precious spiritual words that Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's the picture that when we come to Jesus, if we're thirsty, if our mouths are parched and dry, and you know the tongue sticking to the palate, Spiritually speaking, if we're spiritually thirsty and looking for the spiritual blessings that Jesus offers, we're going to come to him and we're going to drink of the water that he will give. We're going to receive all of the spiritual blessings that Jesus gives us when we come to him and believe on him. 
And this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. So when the Old Testament said that when the Messiah comes, he'll reign this, there, there'll be, he'll give us this spiritual reign. Uh, he's, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit and all of the, the rich blessings that the Holy Spirit bestows upon us. Um, and just as the rain brings forth fruit out of the earth, so the Holy Spirit brings forth spiritual fruit in the life. Think of the ugliest life that you can think of. Think of, um, maybe it's you. <laughs> you know, in my life, uh, I, I would think of myself before I came to Christ. I wasn't a particularly pleasant person. There were a lot of things in my life that needed to change. And when the Holy, when when Jesus Christ saved me and gave me His Holy Spirit, um, He started to work in me spiritual fruit. Fear, spiritual fruit started to grow in me, and it changed my life. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. Jesus said, "The Holy Spirit will be in you. You'll have these rivers of living water." not outside of you somewhere. You don't have to go out and find the spiritual blessings. The water, the spiritual blessings, will be right inside you uh, as rivers of living water in your belly. Now, the belly in Jewish thinking was the same as the heart. The heart is the same in our thinking today. I'm not talking about the heart that beats in the chest, but your inner person, the inner heart, uh, the, the, the inner man. And uh, he, he says, in the heart or in the inner person, uh, you'll have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in you will be this source of never-ending living water, spiritual blessings. And so the Holy Spirit is a self-replenishing spring of spiritual blessing in your life. And so I hope you can understand now through this sometimes difficult teaching of Jesus, how the Bible changes you and how God changes you. You might have heard me say in the past here on this podcast that the Bible changes you and God changes you when you come to him. And you might wonder, how does he do that? Jesus provides the answer right here. It's because the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your heart and lives in you and becomes this never-ending spring of spiritual blessings in your life. And these blessings, you know, the spiritual life of the Holy Spirit in you then begins to overflow into every area of your life. It overflows into your thinking, and it changes your thinking. Uh, it overflows into your relationships, and next thing you know, you, you begin to relate to other people differently in a way that's pleasing to God. It overflows into your actions and into your very desires. And next thing you know, you begin to reprioritize your life around the priorities of God instead of your own priorities. And it, and guess what? It improves your life. Your life changes for the better. It's a good change. And uh, it, you get rid of the... The, the, um, the weeds and the, the desert places in your life and uh, the Holy Spirit just breathes new life in, in, and change into every area of your life. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. And so it's no wonder that this caused people to stop and think. And again, the, the, 
the division, the conflict continued after Jesus said this. And it says, many of the people, therefore, when they had heard this saying, said, of a truth, this is the prophet. They just saw that Jesus fit this Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah that would come. And of a truth, they said, this is the prophet. But others said, this is the, uh, others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? What they were saying is, I don't think Jesus quite fits, fits the Old Testament prophecy. So there was a, still a division among the people. And some accepted him, some believed on him, some just weren't quite sure, and others just outright rejected him. And you know, it's no different today. Uh, people today will reject or else receive Christ. And let me ask you, what is your relationship with Christ uh, are you spiritually thirsty? In other words, do you hunger after this spiritual life that we've been talking about, that, that Jesus offers? And if the answer is yes, if you're hungering after a new life, maybe you've been struggling in your life and uh, your efforts just aren't cutting it anymore, uh, and your life is isn't what it should be, and maybe it's maybe you're spiritually thirsty, and you recognize that you need what Jesus offers you. The first thing He offers you is forgiveness of sins and eternal life, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit that will change your life. And if you are spiritually thirsty, come to Jesus. And the water that he'll give you to drink, this spiritual water, will quench your thirst and you'll never thirst again. You know, I have never, ever uh, wanted to go back and not be a Christian anymore. And I think anyone who genuinely has met Jesus Christ it would never regret having come to Christ. He satisfies the longings of the heart and he can satisfy your heart if you come to him. He'll quench whatever spiritual thirst that you have, and you'll never thirst again. Well, once again, I want to invite you to the Navin Baptist Fellowship. Every week we open up the Bible, and we study and learn about what God has written down for us. And right now we're in a new series on the book of Philippians. Uh, the book of Philippians is a precious book that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And if you're curious about that and you would like to join us for that, contact me. Drop me a note, send me an email, and uh, I'll sh share with you how you can join us for a Sunday afternoon Bible study. We would love to have you. But otherwise, stay tuned for uh, hard saying number three next week. I'll see you then.